Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined as usual, by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, what is that you may be asking? Well, That is the physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you may be asking yourself how you can get that in your hands. Well, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. You go to that site, you put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, that is warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net. Let's get on to the show. Okay, Um, so we are in the middle of January Mm -hmm. already. Yes, we are. Um, Two weeks into the new year. That's right. It's tax season. Um, And, uh, you know, you know who wants their money? Yes, the um, tax man, they do want their money. Matter of fact, the IRS opens up when? January 24th. So in about a week. A week from tomorrow. A week mm-hmm. from tomorrow. Um, and right now there's, there's a lot of um, uh, preparation going on, right? A lot of tax preparation, right? Tax preparation, tax returns being prepared? Yeah, prepared. Preparation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Preparation. Anyway. Yeah, W-2s came out early this year uh, for a lot of people, I think. They did? That's I good. think so, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Um, and uh, what I like to think about, especially around this time of the year, is, like I said, there's, there's tax preparation going on. And what we talk about on this show is tax planning. And there's a big, big difference. So preparation, basically, um, is when you are recording history. And preparation takes place now, January through April. But where you can get the best savings for your money is basically by doing tax planning. That is how you put more money in your pocket and you keep less money away from from Uncle Sam. And tax planning is basically done, you know, basically from May to December. You cannot do tax planning now for last year. Now, you can do tax planning now for 2022, but you can't really do it for last year. And a lot of people are upset or think they can when really their tax man or their tax person or their, the one who, whoever does their taxes, CPA, whoever it may be, they are just recording history. It is so important to make sure that you do tax planning throughout the year and not try to think that you can do it once you are preparing your taxes. That is the biggest uh failure, I say, for people who are really trying to save money in taxes. Yeah, it's you can't go back in time and change what happened from January 1st through December 31st. And that's where deductions and credits come in is is during that time of year from from during the year. Um, so it, it's tough to go back in time um, and try to change what happened. Yes, it is. I, I'm, I'm telling Almost you, impossible. I am telling you. I mean, there's things I've done. I wish I could change and go back. Yeah. But you can't. Mm-mm. But uh, this is not a therapy session. Oh, okay. It's time for some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. All right. All right. So the last couple of um, podcasts and radio shows we, we've done, <clears throat> we initially focused on, we looked back in time uh, to things that had happened in 2021. Then we had a show where we tried to predict the future uh, into our crystal ball, albeit it was broken, but we made predictions for 2022. And, you know, generally around this time of the year, around the January time of year, what people are generally trying to do is they make a lot of New Year's resolutions. That's right. And 
If you're making New Year's resolutions, I think that you have to consider some forward-thinking ones that will help set you up for a decent retirement. Um, although you shouldn't be like most people who mm-hmm. yeah. they set their resolutions. And actually, Start out it's, strong. it's what the, mm-hmm. uh, what is today, the 16th? Today's the 16th, yeah. So and, everybody's um, already done yeah, with their New Year's resolutions. Yeah, they've already right. failed. <laughs> uh, but when we're talking about retirement resolutions, um, you know, your, 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 your latter years or later years um, should be a time to, you know, enjoy life. Um, <clears throat> but you, if you haven't properly prepared, through saving and investing, you could end up coping with a lot of financial stress. So if you haven't made any financial or retirement resolutions yet, let me give you a few to to ponder and think about. So uh, if you're listening to this where you can pull out a pen and a pad, jot some stuff down, then uh, I think we can help you here. You know, so uh, um, here we go. Some, some New Year's resolutions. So I think number one, the first thing you need to do is you know, you need to make sure that you're using the right retirement accounts. There are all different kinds of uh, retirement plans. Um, there's all, all kinds of, of different buckets of money. Um, I talk about taxable bucket, tax deferred bucket, and then the tax free bucket. And you want to make sure that you're using uh, the right ones and putting your money in the right ones. Um, so most people defer, defer, defer. They're looking at their 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 workplace four hundred one k is generally a convenient way. Um, uh, could you get a, a company match? Um, the only thing about that they provide fewer investment options than things like an IRA uh, or an outside investment account. Um, and a lot of times when you are utilizing a traditional four hundred one k or uh, a simple IRA or four hundred three b things of that nature, um, they don't offer the same tax breaks that. Um, you might get, say, like in a health savings account, something that's in that that tax-free bucket. So you'll want to look at the pros and cons of each retirement plan, um, and then, like I like I always say, you want you want tax diversification. So you want to look at, you know, pretty much which which one's best for you, a traditional or a Roth uh, IRA. Which one is is best for you? Um, you know, traditional accounts give you that tax break up front, but withdrawals are taxable. Roths do the reverse. You get no upfront tax savings, but you get those tax-free withdrawals later. And if taxes are going to be higher in the future than they are today, then a Roth account would probably be your better bet. All right. So that's one. Make sure you're using the right the right retirement account. Now, um, I just said it was tax season earlier on. I think a good resolution that that, that you should uh, look forward to um, or, or at least jot down um, – is claiming all the tax breaks that you can, all right? Missing out on retirement savings uh, or, or, or tax breaks, it means that you're giving up the chance to get the government's help uh, investing for your future. So, you know, what do I mean by that? So resolving to take advantage of, uh, um, of as much assistance as possible uh, by coming as close as you can to maxing out some of those retirement accounts. So your 401k, um, you can max that out at, I think it's 19,000. They just, they just increased it for 2022. Uh, they added a thousand dollars to that. So it's about $20,000. Mm-hmm. So $20,000 is what you can use, uh, to max out your, your 401k IRAs, $6,000. Um, but you get a catch up contribution there of a thousand dollars if you're over 50 years old. Um, and of course, when we talk about tax breaks, I want to clarify this. If you're putting money in, in a traditional, you are getting that upfront, ta- upfront tax break. But if you're putting it in a Roth, then you're getting no tax break. But when you pull that money out, it is tax free. Now, the, spe- the specific uh, savings that you can realize by maximizing some of these tax advantage investments, it depends on your tax bracket, uh, but it can be significant. So say you're in the 22% bracket, every $1,000 contribution you can make uh, into, in, say, a traditional could save you as much as $220 uh, off of your taxes, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you? Because you looked at me like, what? Yeah. 22% makes, bracket, yes. $1,000, 22% of that is $220. There we go. And that's either on the front end or, 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 or the back end, right? If the taxes stay the same right. and you're in that 22% bracket, you are still going to save that 22 or you're still paying out that that, that 22%. That's same amount. Yep. yep. So there you go. Resolution, uh, what are we on? Like a, the third Number one? Number three, yep. All right. Um, know, what you, know what you're invested in. 
Um, unfortunately, many people stick with their uh, 401ks default invest- investment options, or they don't really take the time to, re- to research all uh, that's available to them. And really the right investments, uh, it can make a huge difference in how quickly your retirement account balances grow um, or how, how quickly uh, they'll fall uh, to some extent. And so what do I mean by that? So most people, like I said, most of their money is in these, these company retirement plans. And they generally start these company retirement plans when they first uh, start in their, in their big career, whatever it may be. And what they tend to do is if they are more, if they're a more aggressive investor, they'll pick the most aggressive funds and they'll basically set it and forget it. So they'll be invested in aggressive funds at 35, 40, and they'll still be invested in those aggressive funds at 65 and 70. And that might not be what you want to do. And then conversely, if you're more risk averse, maybe you go towards the more conservative investments and then you set it and forget it. And then you never make that change and you never realize that true growth potential. So you need to understand what you're invested in, right? You need to look at the fees that are the, the, that are in those funds. Um, you know, look at past performance, although it is not, uh, what does it say? Past performance is not, not an, an indicator, indicator of future results. So remember that. Um, of course, you want to figure out the risk uh, that, that's in the investments. Um, and then make sure you have the right allocation. Allocation means you have the right mix of stocks, bonds, and other assets uh, in your portfolio. So those are a few resolutions uh, that you can utilize to put you in a better position moving forward with your retirement. Coming up next, we'll talk about a few more. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. People see us everywhere. They think you Wow, so this is, is Elvis. Sounds like it. No, this is um, actually Conway Twitty. But a lot of people are surprised because they're used to the country Conway Twitty. And now this song is called It's Only Make Believe. In 1958, number one in the U.S. and number one in the U.K. I like it. And so, um, actually, Conway Twitty, a.k.a. Harold Harold Lloyd Jenkins. All right. Changed his stage name? He did. And uh, for for, for uh, the listeners who are like, wait a minute, I thought Kanye Twitty was uh, country. Yeah, he changed his music style in 1965. That's when he went country. But before that, he was uh, Elvis-esque. Yeah, Elvis-esque. Yep. Thank you very much. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. So <laughs> I was talking about... Um, did you like my, thank you very much. Oh yeah, that was good. That, that was good. Actually, it's horrible. But, yeah, it was but, good. But thank you for I, I mean, I got it. I mean, I understood the reference. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, all right. So, uh, we were talking about, uh, financial retirement resolutions. Um, and so I want to talk about a few more that, uh, the listeners probably need to think about going into 2022 in regards to making sh- sure they can have a successful, um, retirement. All right, so I think a resolution you, you should have is you should understand the rules for your employer match. <clears throat> so most companies that offer a 401k, uh, they provide matching contributions. Um, and basically, that's, that's free money. Um, and one of our suggestions uh, that, that we bring up is the fact in, in a lot of our workshops when we're talking to families and clients is that you basically need to invest in your 401k up to the match. Right. And you have to be earn, you, you have to earn the match by investing enough in your own account. Speaking of that, um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to hold off on this tangent real quick. I, I want to get through this resolution. So some employers match 100 percent of your contributions uh, up to a certain percent of your salary, uh, while others have different policies in place. Uh, but you need to learn your company's rules. And I was going to get on the soapbox for a little bit, because when we think of the 401k mm-hmm. and the company match. OK. It just brings me to uh, 
you know, the death of the pension plan. Yes. The defined benefit plan. When back in the, uh, really in the, the mid to, to late 80s, you saw a lot of these 401k plans come to fruition. And it's because uh, with the Revenue Act of 1978, it opened up that option for a defined contribution plan, a.k.a. 401ks. And so most companies said, you know what, let's uh, take a lot of these pensions off of our books and uh, we won't have to be responsible for funding the pension, our employees' pensions while they're working and then having to pay it out once they stop working throughout their retirement. And so they came up with this, well, they didn't come up with it, but they said, hey, we can utilize this 401k where now it's the employee's responsibility to decide if they want to contribute to the plan, number one. And if they do, we can offer them, you know, a match. We don't have to, but, you know, to gain some employee retention, then we can offer uh, a match. And the match was basically pennies on the dollar to what they had to do with a defined benefit plan. And uh, I call that the great risk shift. When the risk shifted from the employers having to provide pretty much 100% of the retirement to their employees to now it's shifted to the employee where now they're responsible. And so um, now since we're in that situation and we obviously know that the 401k experiment has basically failed for the most part, now that we have to deal with it, you need to make sure that you understand how to get that free money. Albeit, it's not like it used to be, but take advantage of the free money now. All right. Only 32% of Americans are contributing to a 401k plan. Wow. It goes into your you know, right. discussion about how now it's our responsibility and maybe we're not doing such a good job. And really, maybe a lot of Americans might not even have access to it. If you, Not every company um, in every position is going to offer you the option to have even a retirement plan to set aside. Yeah, and um, you know, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where, and, and if you can, Look up how many companies used to have pensions back in the day and how many companies have pensions now, Um, you know. And so, you know, when when you look at the the great risk shift, you know, the fact is, is that back when we had, you know, a stronger middle class, uh, we had more pensions. Right. And um, because the money that uh, that middle class or that employer or, or that I'm sorry, that employee or that worker was making, a lot of it was was coming home to them. Because uh, when you think about it, when you have to contribute to your own retirement plan, like these 401ks and 403bs are now, you're putting money away, but you're going home with less. And so when people have the option to, you know, contribute to their 401k or not, you know, most people are like, wait a minute, life happens. I have bills, I have kids, I have all this stuff. So I'm not, I can't contribute to it yet because I go home with less. So they put it off and they put it off. And it's just like uh, you said, D, the, the fact that, you know, only 30 some odd percent even contribute to their 401k because they need that money. They can't put it away. Although, you know, we always try to preach, you need to pay yourself first. But um, on the flip side, we do understand that, hey, um, you know, you're living on, uh, you know, that other side of the balance sheet, the liability side of the balance sheet, and you have things that that have to be paid. And um, it just puts you in a tough situation. And that's why we have this retirement crisis right now. Do you have the the number on pensions? Yes, it used to be 46% of private sector workforce. And then of course, you have public public, public sector too. And now about 18, less than 18%. Yeah. And and, and when you add the private and and public sector up, it was basically flipped. It's gone from 85% of companies used to offer pensions uh, back in the day to now only 15% uh, really, or 18% offer offer pensions today. The great risk shift. Um, all right. So, you know, when we talk about retirement savings and we talk about savings in general, one way to beef up your savings account or, or, or even, you know, your emergency funds, whatever it may be, is if you could put away and bank whenever you get a raise. You know, if you get a raise in 2022, you know, you should resolve to make the most of it by saving uh, as much of the salary increase as possible for retirement. So since you, you know, since you won't be used to spending that money yet, right? So from, from whatever pay increase you got. So you can easily, easily divert uh, those savings that uh, without even missing it. Um, you get a 2% raise, sign up to have your automatic 401k or 403b contributions increased by 2%. 
before you ever get to take home that money and spend it. I think that's a good idea right there. That's a good resolution. Most people don't do it. No, but <laughs> that is a good one, though. But uh, it's pretty decent. All right. Um, another resolution that you can have is set a realistic retirement timeline. You know, while retirement may, may seem uh, far off in the future for, for, for some of you, you need to know what that target date is for leaving the workforce so you can uh, reverse engineer your way into, how, into those savings goals. And unfortunately, many people are overly optimistic about how long they'll be able to work and they end up underestimating what they must save. Um, and so I would say you need to resolve to take the time to carefully consider that your desired retirement date here in 2022, and then you can make a realistic plan to prepare yourself uh, for your later years. Um, that was a good one too. Yeah, I'm on a roll here. That's right. I was just going to say <laughs> that that uh, that raise uh, the raise resolution, saving any raise that you get, reminds me of of tax refunds. Same thing with tax refunds. If people, most people who are used to getting that refund every year when they file their taxes. They know they're about to get it, so it's already spent. Already spent. Yeah. But the prudent thing, like you said, to do would be to save that money, invest it. I mean, you already let the government hold on to it for a year. Um, now that you're getting it back, yeah. you you should save it yeah. and invest it. Yep. And but uh, most people don't. They, they don't. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, with, with 2020, you know, when, well, it was a combination of, of two things. One is the government was putting more money into people's money into people's pockets but then number two you couldn't go anywhere to spend it you had to stay your butt at home everything was closed and so you saw the savings rate of of americans increase by 50 percent and then in 2021 all that money went out to go right (laughs) well it's slowly going because people aren't going back to work um they're waiting they're you know they have that cushion yes that cushion is dwindling yes and pretty soon 2022 2023 we'll be right back to where we started Mm mm-hmm they all, right. all balance out. <laughs> yeah, I got a good one. Here, here, here's a good resolution. Um, you need to know how much income uh, your investment accounts are, need to provide you. So what do I mean by that? So I talk about um, when we're talking about income planning, we talk about you have your guaranteed income streams on one side, that being uh, Social Security and or maybe some annuity income. And then, of course, we talked about pensions. 15% of people who might have a pension still. (laughs) Right. So you might have a pension. And then on the other side of the guaranteed income streams, you have your uh, retirement budget or your retirement expenses, uh, you know, money that you want to spend in retirement that that's going on. Basic living expenses. In addition to that, lifestyle expenses, right? If you want to travel, do things of that nature. And most of the time, there's a gap between your guaranteed income streams and your expenses. And so you have to determine how much income your investment accounts will provide to fill or bridge that gap. All right. And so understanding that will definitely put you in a better situation moving forward. And I, um, I know a lot of people depend on uh, social security for a lot of their retirement income, but um, you know, right now it's more like social insecurity. Um, The trust fund is supposed to be, um, depleted it and only paying 70 cents on the dollar by like 2033. And I could get into the real numbers and let you know that really that government uh, trust fund is you know, pretty much depleted now, but I won't. But um, uh, it's going to pay 70 cents on the dollar uh, uh, in 2033. So you have to make sure that your investment accounts can provide you with the income you need to make it throughout retirement. There you go. Yeah. You always talk about how Social Security should just be one part of a three-legged stool when it comes to your retirement. Um, The other, well, uh, maybe a two-legged stool now, right? Because pensions are uh, the other part that's no longer available. But, you know, everybody needs to have some sort of retirement savings um, to supplement Social Security. Well, you have to now. Um, It's just like I talked about. Pensions have gone the way of the dodo bird. So it used to be a three-legged stool. Social Security, pensions, and then whatever you saved. Pensions are gone. Now it's just Social Security and what you saved. And most people haven't saved enough. And so that's why we have this retirement crisis. So that's why we're giving you these resolutions that you should utilize moving forward 2022 and beyond. So take that. As a matter of fact, coming up next, we're going to give you some more resolutions. That sound good? Sound good to me. All right, you're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. 
All right. Got some uh, some Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson here. Nice. Yeah, there you go. So the song is Say, Say, Say. All right. Came out in 1983. Okay. Paul McCartney, like I said, and Michael Jackson. So this song um, was number one in the U.S., uh, number two in the U.K. All right. And number one pretty much everywhere around the world. Oh, okay. France, Canada, <laughs> uh, Norway, South Africa, Spain, oh, Sweden. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. combine the Beatles, It was at the Michael height Jackson. of Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. It really was. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request that retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and you will get a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, interest rate risk, but most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net and it will be delivered free of charge to your front door. All right, so we were in the midst. Mist? Midst. 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 Yes. Spell it. M-I-D-S-T. Midst. There you go. We were in the midst of talking about resolutions <laughs> that uh, uh, retirees should have. So let me go through a, a couple of more here. Another resolution for 2022 for retirees or people who are close to retirement is to rebalance your portfolio based on your risk tolerance. I've talked about this many times on the show, which is basically um, saying that you have to have the right mix of, it, of retirement investment. And really it varies, varies based on your age and how long uh, before you retire. Um, but basically you want to make sure that you're not too risky or you're not too conservative. A general rule of thumb is to utilize what's called the rule of 100. So what is the rule of 100? You take 100, you subtract your age, whatever is left is what you should basically have at risk in the stock market. So if you're 60 years old, so you take 100 minus 60, 40 is left. 40% of your portfolio should be invested in risky assets where you could lose it. The other 60 should be in safer alternatives. And if you're younger, say you're 30, 30, 100 minus 30 is 70. So 70% of your assets should be invested in riskier investments. And that's just a general rule of thumb. But um, if you're out of whack or if you're out of balance, you need to make sure that you rebalance every year. All right. All right. Another one. Um, and I'm going to probably do a couple of more here. So another one is this. Good resolution. You need to resolve to avoid unnecessary fees. Do you know what you're paying within that 401k? Uh, do you know what you're paying within that mutual fund? I'm not paying anything. <laughs> That's what most people think. Fees, I call fees that, you know, like just those termites that keep eating away at your returns. And it, it can dramatically reduce the size of your retirement nesting, um, especially if you end up paying high fees over a long period of time. So, one of the things that we do here in our office is we are a fee-only uh, registered investment advisor. So we try to keep our fees you know, fairly low. Um, you know, we do want to get paid for all the things we do. But uh, we generally utilize a fee-based model, flat fee, fee-based model, to make it easy for our clients to understand what they're paying within their portfolio. But those of you who don't know, you need to figure it out. And we even have tools in the office where we do fee analysis for um, clients and families who come into the office. By the way, if you have a variable annuity, whew, you are probably paying super high fees and you need to come into the office or schedule some sort of, of, of meeting um, because you're probably being raked over the coals with those fees in those variable annuities. All right, so the last resolution that I want to talk about for 2022 is the fact that you probably need to make sure you're getting the right advice. Be smart about the financial advice that you take. So um, you should only 
take financial advice from Facebook groups. <laughs> no, not from oh. Facebook groups. Oh, okay. Not from anything on social media, right? Uh, the Google machine? <laughs> no, not the Google machine. Not CNBC. Not Fox Business. Right? Following investment tips on social media uh, or getting advice from uh, Maria Bartiromo. And I know no one knows who I'm talking about when I say that. But uh, those pundits on the CNBC shows and things of that nature, they don't know your specific situation. You need to make sure that you're talking to a, a trusted fiduciary professional who has your best interest at heart. A good fiduciary advisor is what you need. All right. So resolve to work with solid, good fiduciary advisors who can push you along, identify your goals and help you get there. There you go. You got I, think, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, that, that got me thinking about something that I had heard recently related to taxes and tax changes. And um, there was a journalist on TV giving tax advice or, or, or tax tips for getting ready for tax season. And some of the things she was saying, I was like, wait, this doesn't, this doesn't, it's not going to work this year because right. first of all, there are some changes this year um, related to uh, something that she was saying. And I was like, no, no, you can't just tell people everybody's going to come in now with these receipts and I'm going to have to tell them, no, it doesn't work this way again. I know. Um, you know, a, a lot of times those, those, uh, I don't want to say journalists, but those personalities, personalities there you go, there we go. on TV, you know, are just giving the general rules of thumb mm-hmm. that doesn't apply to everybody. A yes. lot of times doesn't apply to most people. They're just uh, flapping their gums. Right. And yeah. uh, it's not always the, the best thing to do. All right, moving on. Unless you have any resolutions for, uh, I think you covered them. No, mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, um, it's time to get into a segment that we're going to do every now and again, maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. but it is our tax corner segment. Or woman. There we go. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Dee. What do yeah, you got? For today's tax corner, I wanted to, uh, really try to fix our um, entire tax system. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, recently at at one of your workshops, a gentleman brought up uh, corporate tax rates. And what if we just did away with all the deductions and credits that corporations get, charge them a flat rate so that they're actually (laughs) paying taxes, and then that would pay for all of our debts deficits solve all our problems and that sounds like a great idea oh yeah um but unfortunately it's not that easy to do and so before we kind of discuss why that won't be that easy to do i want to take everybody back a couple of years to 2017 where the top corporate tax rate in the u.s just a quick history lesson on tax rates uh, for corporations the top uh, corporate tax rate in the u.s was 35 percent That changed with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which passed at the end of 2017. So by 2018, the top corporate tax rate was reduced to 21%. And there was also some tax breaks on profits that were earned overseas. But even though the rate is 21%, many U.S. corporations still pay a lot less than that. In 2020, a total of 55 of the companies in the Fortune 500, so S&P 500 companies, paid zero taxes. Okay. Nike, FedEx, Salesforce, of course, we heard about Amazon. And it probably has to do, correct me if I'm wrong, with Mm -hmm. their corporate or carryover loss, right? Is that what it is? Yes. So um, basically what that means is, you know, when you're first starting your business, mm-hmm. you know, when it, whether it's an Apple or a Google or Amazon or whoever it is, you know, they record um, and bank a bunch of losses initially as they're building up the business. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in losses that they'll accumulate. And the way the tax code is written is that once you start making money, you can always write off, you can carry over those losses from previous years, by the way, and continue to offset them with the gains. Yes. That is how you're coming up with those numbers of how a lot of corporations pay. End up paying zero, zero in taxes. Zilch, nada, nil, all that other stuff. Yes, right, of course, go you've got those uh, net operating loss carryovers. You have um, accelerated depreciation, which was another tax break that came with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from 2018. Yeah. Allows you basically to write off 
huge equipment purchases all in one year, again, adding to those net operating losses. Um, and then you have companies paying their executives in stock options, which allows them to show increase in their profits because they're buying more stocks, their stock's going up. So their shareholders are seeing this increase, mm -hmm. but they're using those um, stock option compensations as a write-off on their tax return. And so long story short, um, there's a lot of lobbying that goes on to make yes. sure that these types of credits, that these types of deductions are available for corporations and they stay available for corporations. And the, the argument for this is that, hey, if corporations pay less taxes, they're going to have higher profits. They're going to reward their employees with those profits, right? So they're going yes. to pay their, start paying their employees more, which in turn will uh, spur their employees to invest in the local economies. It'll be better for the economy. And we all know that that is a good theory and good philosophy. Yes. But in practice, it has never, never, never worked that way. Um, you can look at... Um, um, you, you can look at uh, corporate profits and increases. You can look at uh, inflation and the way inflation has been historically. And then you can go to wage growth and see that wage growth has generally remained flat while corporate profits have, ten, have gone up precipitously. Yes. So we know that that does not work. It's good in, it's good in theory. It is. Just like the, the, the gentleman in the workshops, mm -hmm. his... Is the way that he was going to fix the tax system was what fifteen percent like flat mm -hmm, tax flat, for all corporations? Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. I mean that all seems to work in theory, but that's not yes. ever the way it works in practice. And even recently, uh, the Biden administration proposed a plan <clears throat> to increase the corporate tax rate from its current twenty one percent to twenty eight percent, which is still lower than what it was before. Um, but many corporations immediately were resistant to it. Well, I mean, Elon Musk doesn't want to pay a dime. He doesn't think right. that uh, corporations should pay. Any yes. taxes. Yes, he thinks that um, the government doesn't do a good job um, with the budgets that they, with the tax revenues that they receive, right. um, that maybe corporations might are, are, are a little better at budgeting. And that's his, uh, that's his argument, of you course. Know, the, the, the lines are blurred. I mean, you know, Elon uh, has, has, a, has a case because you can bring up tons of examples of where, you know, the government has, has not done well with our tax dollars, but then there are also a lot of cases of which they have done very well with, with the tax dollar. So anyway, there you go. And I'd like to bring up just one more quick point that, that you've made before. The tax code is, is huge. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's thousands of pages long. And there's only a very little tiny portion of it that has to do with paying taxes. The rest of it is all the deductions Avoidance. and the credits yes. that, that you can legally take. So corporations Avoidance. are legally taking a lot of these deductions. There's individuals who might be taking small business owners who might be taking these deductions too, all legal, but it's written into the code. And if you remember even... Um, in 2017, when the Trump administration was trying to come come out with this new tax reform, yep. they they initially said, hey, we want to simplify it. We're going to put it on a postcard, right? You're going to be able to do your tax return on yeah. a postcard. Yeah, good and theory. It is. In practice, of course, it didn't end up that way. No, it doesn't happen. Never happens that way. Thank you, Dee, for that uh, tax corner segment. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah. Or woman. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. Okay, we got... Uh, Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash, the Cashes. The Cashes. <laughs> this is Jackson, of course. This came out in 1967, although it was originally released by another person that came out in 1963. Gained popularity when the Cashes did it. Number two on the uh, country charts. Okay. And this song won uh, won them a Grammy in nice. 1968. All right. There you go. That's good stuff. Um, you know this from the movie, right? I'm yes. Sure mm -hmm. Walk the line. Walk the line. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, and Reese the, Witherspoon. And they sung this for mm -hmm. real. Like they, they did. It was they, their own voice. They didn't uh -huh. lip sync. That's, That's right. Good stuff. There you go. Welcome back to the show. 
The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can get your retirement rescue game plan by going to warrenwealth.net. You'll get a copy of my two books, some financial reports, and then you'll get access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and that physical packet of information will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. You know what it's time for. It's time for that news you can use. All right. So Navient, which is one of the largest student loan service providers, uh, has agreed to cancel $1.7 billion in private student loans after it reached a settlement with 39 states. So uh, there are some lawsuits happening. The settlement was announced on Thursday, resulted from accusations that they gave out loans to millions of borrowers who would be unlikely to repay them. Uh, Six uh, state lawsuits were filed against Navient, of course, 39 states included in the lawsuits. The loans in question were private, meaning they weren't guaranteed by the federal government. As part of the settlement, the company has to make a one-time payment of $145 million to the states. Um, nearly 66,000 borrowers are expected to get their loans cleared of the $1.85 billion. By the way, if you do that, I don't know what that math breakdown is, but $1.85 billion only for 66,000 borrowers? Thought it was, I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like, uh, well, maybe, is it relief? Because I, I've seen numbers that said like 400000 will get relief. Mm. Some sort of debt relief, so I don't know if it's all of it, like wiped out, or whatever. But yeah, though, yeah, that that would be a lot. <laughs> that would yeah. be a lot of money. Um, all right, a couple of things. One is the the student debt, the school loan um, uh, scam uh, that was established a long time ago. Um, is you know the next lawsuit should should. More lawsuits shoot suits should come from this. Mm-hmm. Um, Navient was one because they were giving loans to people who probably couldn't pay it back. Mm-hmm. That's the way the system is set up. Right. That's right. just the way it's set up. Yeah. It's for anyone who anyone who wants one generally gets one, and the reason they get one is because it is backed by the government for the most part, mm-hmm. and so there's no risk on the part of you know these these schools you know, giving, them out. Yeah. giving them loans. I mean, mm-hmm. and that is why you have seen. You know, the cost of universities continue to go up and up and up and up and up. Yes. And the cost of these student loans, um, you know, just go up and up and up and up uh, with no recourse, except for maybe now now we're seeing Mm -hmm. something. I don't know. The private student loan market has grown by more than 70% over the last decade. There's $130 billion in outstanding student loans. And you hear a lot of stories about people. I mean, people pay those loans well into their careers. Sometimes even as they get close to retirement, they're still paying off some of these student loans. Um, By the end of 2019, Americans owed more in private student loans than they did for past due medical debt or for payday loans. Yeah, I I, I was um, um, reading a book or I haven't read it yet, but um, uh, it's called... Uh, what is it called here? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to remember. Uh, oh, The Debt Trap mm-hmm. um, by Josh Mitchell. And it's about this whole student loan program and how, you know, it's in essence just a big uh, a big scam that has, you know, put a lot of people, uh, made a lot of people debt ridden, yeah. um, debt riddled. And um, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading it. It's another one of those where the theory is good. You know, Harry, let's help people who might not have saved, you know, the thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars that tuition costs each semester. Let's try to help them further their education um, by offering these student loans. And then they can start repaying them once they start working, once they get into the workforce and, and get into their careers. Right. Um, but the problem is, it's just, like you said, kind of ballooned. Well, it ballooned because the schools had, had, had no risk, so they can continue to raise the, 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 the tuitions, which, you know, puts the, the students um, behind the eight ball. And they don't care because... It was backed by the government. If they had to take on the risk, they'd be a little more prudent 
and, and a lot of these things. Hey, you know, speaking so of go. that, let's talk about those schools. 16 Ivy League and elite U.S. universities were sued in federal court for allegedly illegally conspiring to eliminate competitive financial aid offers to students in a price-fixing scheme. The suit alleges that uh, they artificially inflated the cost of attendance for all students receiving financial aid, resulted in overcharging uh, 170,000 financial aid recipients by at least hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, there's a demand for a class action jury trial. Um, the schools in question, Brown University, California Institute of Technology, University of Chicago, Columbia, Cornell, yes. Dartmouth, Duke, Emory, yes. uh, Georgetown, Massachusetts, uh, MIT, Northwestern. It, it, it's basically price fixing. It, yes. You know, it's price fixing. Um, you know, there, there, there needs to be you know, some sort of, of, of competition, just like we have in our free market system, where if I, if we both open up hamburger shops, yes. um, you know, we can have our price wars because we are trying to get people. I'm trying to get, you know, build my business up, get business from you, vice versa. But, you know, we also could collude together and yes. say, you know what, let's uh, keep our burger cost at 10 bucks mm-hmm. and, uh, and people are going to have to pay, yeah. you know, regardless of where they go. They want to get these high quality burgers. And that's basically what these, you know, schools mm-hmm. uh, have done. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised. I just, you know, I was just was talking about the scam yes. with, with, with uh, the loan programs and things of that nature. I'm, I'm not surprised that when these dollars and things get involved, it just tends yeah. to, um, you know, corrupt uh, a lot of these institutions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and like you were just saying, you know, the, the, the crux of the lawsuit, it hinges on uh, a section of the law that gave uh, federal educational institutions an exemption from antitrust laws uh, for colleges and universities. So yep. they, they, they have this exemption from antitrust laws. Um, and now the lawsuit's saying maybe they, that's gone a little bit too far and, and they've gone a little bit more than what they can do because they're essentially all like you said, colluding to kind of try to keep prices inflated um, to continue bringing in those dollars. Yep, yep. It's, it's going to be interesting to see um, um, how this pans out because there's a, I'm sure there's a lot more schools that, that were doing things. Oh, anyway. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a cartel. Anyway, um, you got one more? Let's do one more. Okay, anyway. let's stay on the college theme. More oh, than boy. 1 million fewer students are enrolled in college now than before the pandemic began. That's according to new data released Thursday. U.S. Uh, colleges and universities saw a drop of nearly 500,000 undergrads in just the fall of 2021, continuing what's uh, has been a historic trend during the pandemic. So, um the undergraduate enrollment has fallen a total of 6.6%, which represents uh, the largest two-year decrease in more than 50 years. So we're trending downward. Okay. Um, people are saying, you know, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different factors. Of course, the pandemic's a big factor. Um, from maybe some of these students um, deciding they have to help their family out now instead of instead of going to school, postpone going to school for a year. Some uh, students interviewed said they just didn't see um, kind of the benefit of what they get from going to college versus going straight into the workforce right. and learning those skills that way. Um, yeah, so. you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good trend, um, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, college isn't isn't for everyone. Right. Um, you know, the the trades, learning a trade, getting a certification. Yes. Um, is just as valuable. Actually, going out and getting real life experience and work experience is, is valuable too. Yep. And you know, it's not just a straight line. You know, high school, college, and then a good paying job because most right. people are realizing, hey, I did what I was what I was told to do. Yes. I'm riddled with all this debt, and now I have a job that's not. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be paying these loans forever. Yes. And I have this job that's. You know, not uh, paying me what I thought it would by having this degree. So there yes. you go. Yep. Anyway, woo, thanks, Steve, for that uh, college news you can use segment. And uh, if we left you with that, you know that would be enough. That would satiate your appetite. Or would it? Because I know you all like what's coming up. What is world-renowned, the news you can't use. World renowned. Get people from like Spain commenting about how great this segment is. I'm just kidding. All right. So officials in a Texas town said the residents weren't just imagining it when it seemed to be raining fish during a recent storm. So the city of Texarkana 
which by the way, I guess must be on the border of Texas and Arkansas? Yeah, Texarkana. Oh, okay. oh that's my neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah. They uh, said in a Facebook post that it was indeed raining fish. Multiple residents took to social media to post photos of fish that they saw actually falling from the sky. They were, of course, tiny fish. They right. weren't yes. big right. fish. Now, was it very windy because, you know, those fish could be coming from the local pond that the winds go and it just yeah. actually falling from the sky? Falling from the sky, yes. So, uh, uh, Animal okay. Rain, the, the the city's Facebook page said animal rain is a phenomenon that occurs when small water animals like frogs, crabs, and small fish are swept up there in water sprouts or drafts that occur on the surface, and then they're Thank rained down. Much, I, I mean, they're rain, they're picked up, and then they fall back down. Yeah, That's what happens. Not literally, gravity falling from the heavens. And the yeah. atmosphere. Well, that's what it looks yeah. like. Okay, whatever. What else you got? Okay, a roller coaster <laughs> in Japan known for its super death acceleration. It goes out into triple digit speeds. You're shaking your head. I would never. Anything that's, that's called super death, count me out. No, not that one. It goes, it, it accelerates into triple digits. Uh, it was reportedly shut down because riders were suffering some bone fractures. As a result of the acceleration. So multiple news agencies reported four cases of fractures in the back or neck linked to the coaster. Wow. Um, They, yes, uh, significant injury, cervical fracture, thoracic spine fracture. Uh, Riders needed up to three months to recover from the injuries. The roller coaster hits 112 miles per hour in just 1.56 seconds. Okay, that's insane. Yes. Count me out, number one. I don't like roller coasters anyway, just in general. Um, but something like that, th- that's just insane to me. And that's, you know, they just keep on pushing these roller coasters mm-hmm. where you're now that, you know, it used to be, used to be strapped in like, you yes. know, shoulder harness, yes. hip harness, leg harnesses, all that stuff. And now, you know, they have roller coasters where you're just basically dangling, you know, from, from the hip, like, like you're Superman. Oh yeah. And you're just out there I've flying around. I've been on that Superman at that uh, Six Flags. insane. That's a cool never, ride ever yeah. do that mm-hmm. nope not me not for me not for me anyway thank you d for that news you can't use and we all know what that music means it means we've come to the end of the show i want to thank everyone for listening have a great week and take it easy on this sunday thank you for listening to the marcus warren show for more information or to request your retirement toolkit contact marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.